Welcome to our fifth episode of Breaking Bread with C on Relentless Pursuit. I am so excited to see how engaging this has been. If you had told me a few months from now that we would be having a podcast and sharing the word of God and just sharing my personal meditation with you guys, I would definitely not have believed it. But hey, we do all that we can for the gospel to be preached. Last time we talked about biblical nomenclature. Uh, why God renames you when he calls you, the personas that he has modeled after himself through the gospels that we read and that give us, that are the light, the guiding compass to our lives today. Today I'm led to share on the power cast upon us as the sons of God. We're going to read from the book of 1 Kings 1846 about Elijah, a man who ran faster than horses. Biblically, Horses symbolize war or power or glory. You will read that every king that has been described in the scriptures had horses, had oxen, had uh, fields, had many servants, and so on and so forth. But when we talk about horses, we're referencing a symbol of force. We're referencing a symbol of strength and the status of a king or a country. And now we're talking about a man who is running faster than this very thing that symbolizes war and power and glory. In the book of 1 Kings uh, chapter 18 verse, verse 46, the hand of the Lord was on Elijah and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. We were looking at Elijah a man whose mantle was the chariots and horsemen of Israel. There's a great teacher of mine who once preached a sermon about Elijah, and he said that in layman language, what the mantle upon Elijah's life meant was that if you had Elijah with you, you did not need a whole bunch of soldiers with you if you're going to war. You did not need the army because the mantle that the Lord had put upon his life is the chariots and horsemen of Israel. The horses are usually tied to a chariot. I'm trying to draw a picture for you here in case you do not know what that is. But there's a chariot and that is where the person seats and then there is a horse in front of the chariot that is driving basically it's like driving the chariot to its destination so during times of war the horses are used because they run much faster as we have heard previously they're a symbol of war power and glory but my teaching is not basically to teach you how to run faster than horses i'm simply trying to read from um, another passage from jeremiah Uh, chapter 12 verse 5 Jeremiah is having a conversation with the Lord and he's telling him look the wicked are are thriving you know we have this thing with uh, my Christian friends where I've heard them say in different um, in different settings where they say people who do not know God seem to just be living their best life and truly if you look at it from the outside it definitely looks like they're living their best life and I will get to it why it might look like that while the inclination of thinking that that is their best life might come to you but here Jeremiah is telling the is telling the Lord um, I plead with you all the time you have seen me you have tried my heart why don't you pull them out 
like sheep for slaughter. How long will the wickedness of them that dwell therein, the beasts and are consumed and the birds, how long will you oversee this thing? And the Lord simply asked him, If thou hast run with the footmen and they have wearied thee, how can you contend with horses? And if in the land of peace, wherein you trusted, they worried you, how will you swell? How will you do in the swelling of Jordan? This is amazing. I just give I just I'm just giving us a little time to let this sink in. The Lord is saying to Jeremiah that what I see in you has nothing. You are looking at this situation from your perspective, not from my perspective as God. Again, talking about childlikeness, like I spoke about in one of our previous episodes, Jeremiah is looking at this situation from what he can do as a man. He's not looking at it from what God can do through him because it is God that called him. If we remember, about King Jehoshaphat in the book of Chronicles when he went to war. They tell him that there's war coming his way and he simply tells the people, let us fast and pray. And he calls unto the Lord before every person. The king himself calls unto the Lord and he says, Lord, how shall we go about this? Simply asking God about that is a token of trust. It's Jehoshaphat showing the Lord, I trust you even with this difficult task. It would be hard to tell me that King Jehoshaphat does not pray before he eats if he is a man who will go to God and tell him, um, how are we going to go about war? He is the king. He, he he has the power to put together a powerful army to look for the youngest men that have been trained into this respect and to have the confidence that he needs, that he will conquer over the enemy because he has that power. He is in that position of calling the shots. But he goes before the Lord and he tells him, how can we go about this? And the Lord's response is just beautiful. He says, you just show up. You don't need to fight this battle. Basically, the Lord has gone there already. He has fought the battle already. And he's simply going to call the victory his. There's a song called Defender. And they sing it exactly like that. You go before I know that you've even gone to win my war. And you come back and you call the victory mine. How kind is that of the Lord? So the Lord is asking Jeremiah, if you run with footmen and they weary you how can you contend with horses previously in the book of kings we see that there was a man indeed that has contended with horses there was a man that trusted the lord enough the bible says that the hand of the lord came upon him and he got power and then he ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Ahab was in a chariot. He had horses. He had the capacity to run faster. He had the capacity to even give Elijah a ride. But the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah. Elijah never asked for the for, for, for a ride. He just prepared himself. He the Bible says he girded up his loins. Girding up your loins simply means that you are setting yourself up to run this race. It's like if you're gonna run and you're wearing a dress, you see how girls used to kind of like buckle it up in the middle of their legs so that they do not get tripped up by the dress. That is exactly what you can compare to that time girding up your loins. 
stones and he ran before Ahab. So the Lord is asking Jeremiah, if you have trusted in these things, if you have trusted in men and they have already wearied you, you have trusted in this land, you have trusted in all the material, the gadgets, the technology that you can use in this moment and it has still disappointed you, what are you going to do? What are you going to do when you go into the swellings of the Jordan? What are you going to do when the problems get much bigger? What are you going to do when the technology grows much higher and more sophisticated and you can't afford it? He's simply showing him there is nothing in this world that you can trust into more than you can trust me as your Lord that has called you and it will deliver. It is This is how things that we possess and own become idols because we are looking to them for answers. If you look at Elisha, he keeps going back to the kings that have continued to bring up idols to cause the people of Israel to sin. And he keeps telling them, this is not the way you have denounced the God. You have denounced God, the Lord your God, the one that took you out of bondage. And he calls unto fire and it comes. These things become idols and this is what the Lord is showing Jeremiah. If you have run with footmen and they have wearied you, how can you contend with horses? That means the image, the idea of the kind of contention that God has in his mind is far above what Jeremiah is thinking about. He's simply thinking, about getting enough money to have some yogurt and bread and extra food in the fridge just to have, enjoy some delicacies. But the Lord is thinking much greater, much higher. If he says, you have run with footmen and they have wearied you, that simply means what will you do when you contend with horses? Jeremiah did not even think that contending with horses was an option. Lo and behold, he was not thinking in that angle at all you can see by the way he's speaking and further in verse 6 he says for even thy brethren and the house of your father even they have dealt treacherously with thee yeah they have called the multitude after thee and believe them not though they speak fair words unto thee that means even your father even your mother even your siblings even your friends even the connections you have made you cannot trust them above god they are not able to do things for you in the way that God would. And the beauty of allowing God to fight our battles is you don't have to say a thing. You don't have to do a thing. You don't have to beg anyone. You don't have to do it. You just come in prayer with the Lord and you're like, Lord, if you have called me in this place, I trust that you will sustain me here. I will not focus on what is happening in the physical realm. I will tap into the spiritual realm. What you are telling God is that I will not focus on this race with footmen. I will tap into the realm of the race with horses because that is where you desire to elevate me. And if I don't look at this thing, then I am not acknowledging it. And if I'm not acknowledging it, then it means that what I am acknowledging is where I am going. So what I can't see cannot trip me up. That is what you are saying in this prayer. Now it takes wisdom to pray from a place that is not fallen as Jeremiah initially did in verse 2 and verse 3, where he says, how long shall the land mourn? How long will the herbs of every field wither for the wickedness of them that dwell therein? 
He is just telling God, look, so-and-so is doing this and they're prospering. So-and-so is taking that and they're prospering. So-and-so is going to this place and they're not receiving any chastisement. But how about me? How about me? You have, you know me. You have seen me. You have tried my heart toward you. Then why don't you do something for me? You are fleecing God's hand to do something. This is basically us telling God, I did this so you must reward me. And yet the grace that has been given unto us was given as a sheer gift. Paul says it's been given as a sheer gift lest no man could boast. That is the reason why grace is a gift. We are acknowledging that there is nothing that we can do to please God. But Christ has come. And because we have received him, we are going to trust him to finish what he started. We are going to trust him to lead us to the prosperity that we need. We are going to trust him to bring to completion every promise that he has given us. We are going to trust him to keep our lot to guard our lot the bible says that he guards my lot that means he protects even the possessions you have already acquired if you do not idolize them there are people who are rich genuinely rich in terms of money and they have a good but you see they're very disinterested from that and they seem to be the very people that keep getting more and more money if they are born again even better they trust that the lord guards their lord so friends i want to encourage you and pray for you that you may come to the knowledge and the understanding that god desires to elevate you to look at things the way he look at them even for you even in matters that concern you he tells jeremiah if footmen have wearied you for example that's a that's an information in fact that's an information that god is giving him you are worried about footmen and in my mind I am thinking about you running with horses basically the people you're worried about the things you're worried about the circumstance that is making you stay up late at night is of no relevance to me if you place your eyes on me if you focus on me I will elevate you to where I want you to be which is much higher than where you are standing right now I'll go ahead and bless you that you may understand that the race that the Lord desires for you to run is that of chariots and horsemen and not one of footmen. Lord, we thank you for this knowledge. We thank you that you are consistent. We thank you that you think higher. You think bigger. The Bible says that your thoughts are not our thoughts. And I know that I can trust your thoughts. You have created me. You have brought me to this very place, to this very stage. I thank you that your knowledge keeps growing and transforming me. The Bible says that we will continue to metamorphose until we become like your likeness we become the original idea you had of us before man fell i thank you that i will not be worried about races with footmen but that i will worry about races that involve horses because you elevate me higher than the rock that is i i thank you lord that you hear me when i pray i thank you that you're redeeming the time we have lost because we did not know the revelation that has come from this word and i thank you for all the testimonies and the changed lives at the sound of my voice in jesus name i pray amen welcome back next week same time